Good morning, church. Will you stand as we respond to what God is doing in our lives, what he's done in our lives, and what he is going to do in our lives? I want to take just a brief moment and talk to you out of 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, starting in the eighth verse. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted and not abandoned, and we're struck down, but not destroyed. And jumping to the 16th verse, therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're renewed day by day. I'd like to summarize those three scriptures with a chorus of our first song. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the road, you guide my soul. As you
Again, again, good morning, church. It feels like I haven't been up here in months. Because he had twin little babies. Yeah. Yes. So if I seem tired, don't be fooled, I am. Uh, why don't we go ahead and wish each other a good morning, and then you can go ahead and have a seat. Well, good morning again, everyone. I'm Sam. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And this morning, we get the opportunity to do child dedication. It's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. We do it four times a year. Um, child dedication is just an amazing opportunity for us as a church to say, man, we are for families, and we love families. And uh, so there's just going to be a lot that's happening this morning with this dedication process. There are three commitments that are being made here today. The first commitment is from the parents to their children, that they, they're committing their children to the Lord, and they're saying, um, God, we, we understand that these kids are a gift that you've given us, and we want to give them back to you, and we realize that we need your help as parents to raise these children. The second commitment that's being made is um, that these parents are actually committing themselves to the Lord, and they're saying, God, um, we want to do our very best, the best we possibly can, to raise these kids in an environment where they'll, they'll come to know you, they'll come to know Jesus at an early age, and we're going to do our very best. No parent is perfect, um, but we can, the best we can do is to try our best to do what we can to present Jesus to them. And then the third commitment is actually for us as a church, that we are committing to these families, that we're going to support them, we're going to support their children, we're going to provide environments for them so that they can come to know who Jesus is, and we want to assist the families and come alongside of them and, and do what we can to help encourage them. And you may notice there's other couples here on the stage with our dedication families. Those couples are representing us, the church, because we're taking a vow with them, promising to take this journey of parenting. So we're going to be encouraging and praying for these families. And I'm going to have them introduce themselves, and we'll start right over here with Melissa. I'm Melissa Gauss, and these are my daughters, Alexandra, Athena, Elena, and we're dedicating Aria today. My name's Eric Marquardt. This is my wife, Lindsay, and our son, Asa, and we're dedicating Jonah today. What beautiful families, right? It's wonderful. <laughs> Let's go to God in prayer, dedicating these children to him. God, we, uh, we thank you for a morning like today where we can bring these children to you and these families can bring these children to you, realizing they're a gift from you and saying thank you for them, but also saying we want to present them back to you. Um, God, we need your help raising kids. It's not easy. You know, being a parent myself, I know that. And so I pray for these parents. I pray that you give them strength, that you give them wisdom, that you would give them guidance, that you would give them encouragement. God, that we as a church would surround them and support them. And so I, I pray for Melissa. I pray for Eric and Lindsay. I pray that, um, God, that you'd give them grace in the moments where life gets tricky and difficult and um, you give them wisdom and encouragement to help them understand how to raise their kids in the best way they possibly can so that they could understand who you are and be a, a, a great reflection and great picture of who you are to their kids. And Lord, we also lift up to you these children, Aria and Jonah. We thank you for them. We thank you for what they mean to their families. And the Bible tells us children are a blessing from you. And because of that, your plans are good for them. May they trust you. May they grow up to desire to follow you. May they be the women and men that you want them to be. We pray that, and we pray that their hearts always seek towards you. And Father, as a congregation, may we take our responsibility of encouraging these families and supporting them to heart. We promise to pray for them. 
to be an example of your church to them. And because of you as a church, we want to partner with them. We ask all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we congratulate these families once again? Good job, guys. Thank you. Well, we just want to um, <clears throat> take the next few moments to pause as a church for a second. And uh, we just, I just want to reflect on what's happened over the past two days in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, I just want to say this. Hatred, bigotry, racism, these, these things are, are anti-Jesus and they're anti-gospel. And the Bible tells us that mankind is created in God's image, that uh, Jesus told us that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, and then he illustrated that our neighbor transcends race, religion, gender by saying that the Samaritan was the neighbor. Uh, he had his disciple John write, for God so loved the world. And then his apostle Paul write there, they, these, this phrase, that there is now neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, slave or free, for all are one in Christ. So, so we want to spend some time this morning in prayer for, um, for Charlottesville, for the victims, and for the families of those victims. And, and our prayer is, that, is this, is that we would see Jesus and his gospel victorious over things like hate and racism. And so as we prepare to give this morning and as the ushers come forward, let's pray to that end, okay? Let's pray together. God, we, um, we acknowledge that there are some things in this world that just aren't right. And there are some things that, um, that really hurt your heart. And God, we, we know that Jesus came to right those things. He came to correct those things. He came to show us a different way. He came, came to give us good news that, that hatred, evil, all of that would not have fi the final say, would not win in this world. And so God, as, as bearers of that good news, we just want to proclaim that, that Jesus, his way is better. His way is victorious. And God, our hearts hurt for those people who have experienced pain, who have experienced um, suffering, who um, have been victims because of this. And so we, our hearts are with them and we, we pray for them, we pray for their families. But God, most importantly, we pray that your gospel would be victorious over this kind of stuff. God, that we would see Jesus as victor there and all over the world where this happens. God, may we truly be as your church, may we be a shining light in this world that proclaims the message of love, the, the message of victory, the message of your way here in this world, that, that people would see that, as you said on the Sermon on the Mount, that they would see that and they would glorify you in heaven because of how we see the world, how we see life, and how we see Jesus and how we pursue him. So God, may that be our aim here. And God, as we give this morning, may we give to that cause, the cause of Jesus in this world. And may we be a reflection of him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Sam. Hey, gang, my name's Billy. I'm also one of your pastors here at the church. And, uh, and I love that, uh, that prayer time. I know that if any of us have been on reading the news and, and different things like that, it's really weighing heavy on us. Um, I find myself praying just now. Uh, for the guy or the gal who were part of that evil doing uh, down there. And uh, there's going to be a day where one of them turn and say, you know what, my past is erased because of the cross. 
and that hope writes a future because of God's love in my life. God did that for the Apostle Paul, and he became one of the greatest heroes in the Bible that we've ever known. So wherever you're at today, God can do that to the worst of the worst, and he can erase your past, and he can take you on to new heights. So we're going to sing a new song today. It starts off with those lyrics. Melody's going to lead us. We'll ask you to stand a little later when the offering's collected, but take us in, Mike. Thanks.
so Lord, uh, you've called us to uh, a deeper way of living. You've called us to not just respond to uh, what's natural in us. You've called us deeper. You've called us in ways uh, that bring sacrifice. And because we've done that, for those of us who've known you for some time and walked with you for some time, it gives us reason and cause to give you thanks in our lives because when we sacrifice, we know that that's when you come in. We know that that's when you take over. We know that that's when you live through us. And so for those, for those of us who uh, may, maybe can't pray that today, um, could today be a sacrifice for them? Be a sacrifice of praise, uh, of thanks? Even just to say, thank you, God, for all you've given me. And so would you call us deeper to some of those deeper spots in our lives to help us be a more thankful people? We love you, Lord. It's in your name we all pray and say, amen. God bless you, gang. Glad you're here. Couldn't have a seat. a great day of worship, hasn't it? You know, I just, just love singing together with you guys as a church and to hear your voices lifted up on these thirst, hunger, desiring more of God kind of songs. Great to celebrate with those families as well. Appreciate Pastor Sam's words as well about who we're called to be as the church. So great stuff. Uh, before I get into the message this morning, I want to tell you about a special Sunday we have coming up in a couple weeks on Sunday, August 27th. We have a guest speak speaker coming in by the name of Tim Shaw, who has a remarkable story of faith to share with us. Tim is a native Michigander who played many seasons of college and professional football, only to see his career cut short unexpectedly by ALS. This is a little bit of Tim's story. Let's take a look. There I am, 2007. My phone rings, and the Carolina Panthers are going to draft me in the fifth round. I played for the Panthers for a year and a half, and I, I bounced around the NFL a little bit, and I finally got to Nashville. But the NFL is a different world. Coming to Nashville was a breath of fresh air for me as a player. I spent a year here, um, and that next year, I wasn't sure if I made the team. Um, but I did, thank God, and, and I was named captain that same week. And it was a huge moment of confirmation for me that God had me right where he wanted me. But it was also during that time that I again fell into the, the trap of being identified as a football player. I think that's one of the biggest things that we wrestle with in our identity is we're okay with it sometimes. We like the label we have. 
The problem was that when the game of football is over, who am I? So Tim is going to be with us on Sunday, August 27th, along with his parents and his uh, brother and sister-in-law, Steve and Lindsay Shaw, who are part of our Hopel Church family. Tim and I are going to share a conversation. We'll be up on stage together. We'll talk about his journey. We'll talk about his struggles. And we'll talk about the lessons that God has been teaching him along the way. I guarantee you it is going to be a powerful Sunday. You won't want to miss it. So that's what's coming up. But for today, I've got the privilege of continuing in our summer message series entitled More Than a Song. More Than a Song. It's a series about worship. It's a series about how there are all these big scriptural themes that teach us about God and how those themes intersect with the power of music. So week by week, we've had our pastors go through, they've taken worship songs that are special to them, and they've unpacked them, not only by talking about the lyrics, but also about the lessons. Lessons for all of us about faith, lessons about the character of God, lessons about the power of the cross, lessons about the Holy Spirit and who he wants to be for us. They've all done a great job. And then last week, Pastor Billy talked about the priority of prayer and the model prayer that Jesus gave us and what we know as the Lord's Prayer. By the way, how many of you were here last week and and heard Billy? Yeah. Uh, I got to tell you, it is a tall task to follow Billy Petty, right? It really is. So he opens up the message on the Lord's Prayer and just happens to sing the actual song on the Lord's Prayer in this kind of Pavarottian kind of way. I mean, he just blew us away. And I'm thinking to myself, there is no way that I would ever begin to subject you to something like that, right? (laughs) Yeah, and then he gets to the end of the message and he just casually says, you know, oh, by the way, Uh, My wife Amy has worked on a song about the Lord's Prayer, and she's going to sing it. And I'm thinking, okay, she is both composed and is going to perform this song, and she just knocks it out of the park. I mean, if you were here, it's a powerful time of worship. And as this is unfolding in the first service, I lean over to Kathy, and I said, "Um, I'm preaching next week. What do you think you can put together? (laughs) Not the best timing. Husband of the year, I know, right? Yes. Well, I'm still alive to speak about that. Um, Hey, we're going to leave the music, right, to Billy and Amy, okay? I'll just continue being eye candy. So, um, (laughs) we're in trouble. (laughs) So, we're in this series called More Than a Song, and now I want to talk about a worship song that is special to me, and that is Matt Redman's 10,000 Reasons. 10,000 Reasons. It's a worship song that first came out back in 2011, and it's a song that we've sung here at Hopewell for several years now. And I want to talk about why this song is meaningful to so many people, not just me. But before I do, I want to start by asking you a question this morning, okay? I want to ask you a question. Here it is. That on a scale of 1 to 10, how content are you this morning? How content do you feel? That as you think about your life, how well or how poorly things seem to be doing, would you say you're a 10? You know, you're way up here, everything's wonderful, you couldn't ask possibly for anything more? Or would you say you're a 1? That quite frankly, truth be told, you're miserable. You barely made it here this morning because you're feeling down. Maybe you're feeling a bit hopeless. A 10, a 1, or maybe you're probably somewhere in between on the contentment scale, right? 
So one to ten, how content feel this morning? You know, here's the funny thing about contentment, especially among us Christians, that on the one hand, we know we should be content, right? We've got so much to be thankful for. We are so blessed by God. But deep down inside, our feelings often tell us a different story. For some of you, when I asked you the contentment question, your number was probably pretty low because you're feeling frustrated with how things are going in your life. You're not where you want to be. You're not where you think you should be. Maybe it's your job. You're frustrated about your job because it's unrewarding. You feel overqualified and underchallenged. Or maybe you're single. You want to be married, and you thought you'd be married by now, and you're not. Or maybe you are married, but now these days it just feels like a lot of work and not a lot of fun. Maybe you're frustrated because you're still living in Saginaw or Bay City or one of our surrounding communities, and you would have thought you had moved on to bigger and better things right now. Or maybe you're frustrated spiritually. Your prayers feel flat. Church feels like a chore, and you're just going through the motions. God feels distant, uninterested in your life. The fact is, we all go through periods like that, feeling frustrated, feeling unfulfilled, where there's more out there waiting for us to experience, but for some reason, it is just not happening, and maybe that's where you are today. And so you might be wondering, is that normal? Is that natural? Is that the way things are supposed to be, or does God have something else in mind for my life? Something different, something better. See, I believe he does. I believe that God doesn't want us to go through life stuck. Stuck in this place of perpetual frustration and discontentment. And not only that, but I also believe God has given us a way, a path that can rescue us, rescue us out of that muck and mire of feeling stuck in life. Not only that, but he can also lead us to a place, a place of greater contentment, a greater fulfillment, regardless of our circumstances and what we're going through. So this morning, I want us to discover, I want us to experience the power of praise and thanksgiving. The power of praise and thanksgiving. The power that comes when we praise God and thank God wherever we might be in life and whatever we might be going through. That is the gist of our song for this morning, Matt Redman's 10,000 Reasons. Now, when Matt Redman was interviewed about this song, he said it came out of a time in his own life when he himself was feeling flat spiritually. But that in the midst of that, God had directed him to a passage in the Psalms, specifically the beginning of Psalm 103, and that began to change his perspective. Now, Psalm 103 is a psalm or a song or a worship prayer written by King David, and David begins the psalm this way. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Now, what's interesting about this verse to me isn't the fact that David is issuing the command to give praise to the Lord. No, what's interesting here isn't the what he's commanding, but who he's commanding. Who is David commanding to praise the Lord? His soul. He's telling himself. Did you get that? He is commanding his own soul to give praise to the Lord, to the holy name of our God with everything he's got. All my inmost being. 
Praise his holy name. Now, I'm not David. I've never been a king before, and there are 3,000 years that separate his life from my life. So I'm, you know, I can't be sure that I know what he's thinking here, but here's my guess. I think David is doing some self-talk here. Self-talk. The kind of self-talk we do or should do when, listen to this, when what we're feeling in the moment doesn't line up with what we know to be true. Can I say that again? That what we're feeling in the moment doesn't line up with what we know to be true. That's why the head part of David can say to the soul part of David, give your praise to the Lord. I know you don't feel like it right now. I know you wish things were different in your life, but go ahead and do it that with all your inmost being, with everything you've got, praise the holy name of your Lord. As I say all that, you might be thinking to yourself, well, that sounds kind of crazy, you know, that one part of David is talking to another part of David, like some kind of split, you know, multiple personality disorder kind of thing, right? But that's not what's going on here. No, this is about taking steps of faith toward what we know to be true about God, even when our feelings, even when our circumstances are trying to get us to believe something else. Listen, our feelings are important, right? They're influential, they're a vital part to who we are. They're significant in what makes us truly human. But listen, our feelings, our emotions, they're not always the best judge of what is real, of what is true, of what is right. No. You know, our feelings more often, they're just a gauge of our circumstances. And so take, for instance, the single person who desperately wants to be married, but for some reason it just hasn't happened. Feelings can speak these loud and powerful messages like, you're unloved, you're unlovable, you're not worthy of love, that there must be something wrong with you and that you're destined for a life of loneliness and rejection. Now, those things are far from true, certainly from God's perspective, but if you let your feelings and your emotions define your reality, it's pretty easy to be convinced that all those lies are actually the truth when they're not. And that's just one example. See, whether you're single, married, widowed, divorced, We all have these times of emotional struggle where the only way out of it is going to be what David does here in Psalm 103, to tell ourselves to give praise to our God even if we don't feel like it at the time. And then not just to tell, but then to actually do it. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. So that's how David starts this psalm. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and gets even more specific in his praise. Verse 2. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. See, here's what you need to know, that one of the biggest challenges in the Christian life isn't ignorance, it's forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. Now, certainly there is a place for learning more and growing in your knowledge of the Bible, but that's not what David's talking about in here. No, this is about making sure that we don't forget what we already know to be true about our God. And so even if you're, you're newer to the church and you're just beginning to get a grasp on all this Jesus and Bible stuff, you need to know that it's more important to remember the essentials than to learn the particulars. I really believe that. It's more important to remember the essentials than learn the particulars. I think that's true even for those of you who've been around for a long time and you know a lot about the scriptures, that regardless of who you are, you and I, we need to remind ourselves on a regular basis that what the Bible tells us about what our God has done for us and then to respond to that on an ongoing basis with praise and thanksgiving. 
Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Or forget not all his blessings, his beneficial acts of mercy and grace and kindness and love that he has bestowed upon us. So that's what David does here. And in verse 3 and following, he lists them out specifically. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. See this right here, what David's doing here? This is the magic ingredient. This is the secret sauce, so to speak. You know, it's one thing to tell yourself that you need to praise the Lord and to do so with all your inmost being, but you know where it's going to get traction in your life, where it's really going to make a difference? is when you actually take the time to specifically list out the beneficial ways that God has blessed you. And then to celebrate those things by giving him your praise instead of letting yourself be consumed by frustration and dissatisfaction. So for David in this moment when he's writing Psalm 103, here are a few things that came to his mind. God's forgiveness of his sins, God's healing acts, God's rescuing work, the bestowal of God's special favor upon his life. I love those words that God crowns us. He crowns us with love and compassion. Or verse 5, praising God for his deep work in our heart, our soul, with our hopes, dreams, desires. That God has this unique ability to bring deep satisfaction to our souls in a way that nothing else in this world can do. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's what we need to know, and that's what we need to do. See, listen, whether you're a newcomer or a long-timer, whether you are a spiritual newbie or you have been walking with the Lord for decades, the invitation to give specific praise and thanks to our God is for everyone. Everyone. And so as these beginning verses here in Psalm 103 that prompted Matt Redman and his songwriting partner Jonas Mirren to make their own praiseless, to make sure that in the midst of their spiritual rut that they too would not forget God's benefits. Matt Redman then went on to say that as they began to do that, they felt like they were, quote, barely scratching the surface of God's worth. Barely scratching the surface of God's worth. How cool is that? And so it's from this experience then in the passage of Scripture that we just walked through that they penned this chorus that is familiar to many of us here. Bless the Lord, Oh, my soul, oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. See, there are going to be times in our life when we all need to do a little self-talk, when we all need to tell our souls to push past the frustration, the discontentment we're feeling, and to worship the holy name of our God regardless. And when you do that, it doesn't mean you're phony. It doesn't mean you're inauthentic. It just means you're human. And that the emotions and passions of faith aren't always going to be there. Still, we keep on going. And I love that line that we are to sing like never before. So that if the feelings aren't there, it doesn't mean you should dial it down. If anything, you should amp it up. For some of you here today, (laughs) singing might feel like the last thing you want to do. But it just might be the first thing you need to do. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. So once you make that commitment to praise, where do you start, right? What are you supposed to do? You might be like, yeah, I want to do this, but I don't even know what to say. What should I tell God? How should I praise him? Well, for starters, you can go back to Psalm 103. 
You can go back to verses 3, 4, and 5, that list of benefits and blessings that David enumerates. You know, one of the best ways to praise God is just to take words from the Scripture and make them your own. Make them your own. You can start with the list right there in Psalm 103. Actually, you can just even start with one of the benefits. For instance, you might just say this, praise the Lord my soul, praise the one who forgives all my sins. Praising God for the blessing of his forgiveness. Listen, I believe that if we held on to that one thought every single day of our lives, that if the Holy Spirit kept that fresh and alive within us, our lives would dramatically change. They would, that every day if we woke up with this conscious awareness of things like the majesty of God, the desperation of our sin, the wonder of the cross, the pure amazement of Jesus' resurrection, or our forever standing as beloved sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, If all these truths kept singing within us, we would be the most grateful and content people on this planet. We would, I guarantee it, on this side of heaven as we take that journey, we're just beginning to scratch the surface of the height, the depth, the breadth, the width of God's infinite love that he showers upon us through the gospel of his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And what it is, the joy to know and follow Jesus all the days of our lives. Praise the Lord my soul with all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. So using the list in scripture like Psalm 103 is one way that you and I can experience the power of praise and thanking God. Another way would be able to sing or just read and pray through any one of these verses of 10,000 reasons. Now at the end of the service, we're going to sing these through together. But for now, let's just walk through uh, each of the verses and let them sink in. Here's verse 1 of the song. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass, whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. You know, every day we have here on this earth is a gift from God. It is. Every day. And God walks with us, hand in hand, side by side, in every moment of those days. He does. Regardless of what has happened, regardless of what is happening, or regardless of what will happen, you know, we got to move beyond the immature thinking that says, you know, uh, if things are going well in my life, it must mean that God's pleased with me. But if things are going poorly, it must mean that God's mad at me. You know, that's just wrong. God is no less present with us when we're in the valley bottoms as he is on the mountaintops. Whatever may pass, whatever lies before you, bring your praise and your worship to the Lord. You know, there's a passage in the New Testament that continues this theme that I want us to look at just for a moment. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul writes this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, life is complicated. I get it. And we don't always know what God wants us to do. We're not always certain about his will, right? What should I do after graduation? Am I supposed to marry this person? Should I take this new job or do I stay in the one I'm in, right? It's not always easy to discern God's will for our lives. But sometimes it is. Sometimes the Bible just spells it out clearly and plainly like it does here. So what is God's will for you as a Christian? For someone who is in Christ Jesus, what's it say here? Give thanks in some circumstances? Give thanks in good circumstances? 
Now, what's it say? It says we are to give thanks to God in all circumstances. So that includes both times of fulfillment and times of frustration. Let me just add this, that a lot of people, when they read this verse, they say the word in, but they understand it as for. They say the word in all circumstances, but they understand it as for all circumstances. Like, they're supposed to thank God for all their circumstances, but that just doesn't seem right, does it? And that's not what Paul is saying here. I mean, how are you supposed to thank God for your spouse's cancer? How are you supposed to thank God for your parents' divorce? How are you supposed to thank God when you lose a child in the womb? There are a lot of excruciating trials that we go through in life. We do. Some are painful, some are fearful, some are just flat-out evil. But the command here isn't to thank God for those circumstances, right? I mean, to do that would be foolish. No, the command is what? To give thanks in. When we're in all circumstances, so that whatever may pass, whatever lies before you, that whatever you're going through right now, the best thing you can do is to tell your soul to praise the Lord, to forget not all his benefits, his blessings to you when you are in all circumstances. Well, actually, praising and thanking God isn't just limited to what he's done. It also includes simply who he is, the holy beautiful, loving, and perfect character of God. Here is verse 2. God, you're rich in love, you're slow to anger. Your name, your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Can't think of a reason to praise God. Don't know what to say. Look, here are four right here. Four wonderful reasons that God is rich in love and he's slow to anger, that God is, his name is great and his heart is kind. Actually, these words go back to Exodus 34 when the Lord passes by Moses and reveals his holy name to him. So you can go ahead and just take one of these as a foundation for your praise. So for instance, you might say, God, I praise you that you're rich in love. You're rich in love, that there's not only enough of your love to go around for everyone, including me, but that you've got so much love that you're never ever going to run out, but you're going to keep on loving me forever. Why? Because you are rich, wealthy in love. Or, God, I thank you that you are slow to anger. God, I know that not a day goes by when I don't break your commands, when I don't disobey your word, when I don't hurt someone else, when I don't make a bunch of selfish choices. It happens. You know, Lord, you've got every right to be ticked off at me. You do, and yet you are slow to anger. That because of Jesus, that because of his payment on the cross for my sins, you forgive me. You, you cleanse me. You let me get up, start over, and try again. Thank you, Lord. Wow, how powerful is that, right? And so we praise God for the blessings of what he's done. We praise the Lord for the character of who he is. And finally, we praise the Lord for the promises of what is still to come. Here's verse 3. That on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. It's people of faith who are called to walk by faith and not just by sight. These lyrics remind us that there's more to life than just this life. 
There's more to life than just this life, that the hope of heaven, the blessedness of eternity with God, those things are real for everyone here who knows and follows Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I know many of you here do. Maybe some of you don't. The invitation to know Jesus personally as your Savior and Lord, it's an invitation that is always there waiting for you. An invitation to confess your need for him to express your trust in him. That's what it is to be a Christian, and in doing so, to experience his love and forgiveness both now and forever. See, it is because of Jesus that when our time has come, when the end draws near, that we don't have to fear. We don't. Why? Because we share in the victory of Jesus' resurrection that we too, one day, just like him, will be raised to life everlasting in the kingdom of God. Some of you here, you might be at the twilight of your life. You have more years behind you than you do in front of you. You feel like your best days have passed you by, and if you're honest, your strength is failing. Even still, you can praise the Lord in those circumstances. Because the end of this life isn't really the end. No, the promise of eternal life is for you. And Jesus guarantees it. That his eternal life will have the final say. It'll have the final say for 10,000 years and forevermore. So you hold on to that hope. It's one more reason to give praise to your God no matter what you're going through in the moment. We praise the Lord for his blessings. We praise the Lord for his character. We praise the Lord for his promises. That's what we're called to do. And so whether you're feeling like a 10 on the contentment scale or you're feeling like a 1 or you're somewhere in between, the message is the same. Don't let your circumstances dictate your praise. Now find a reason to praise God today. Really, do it right now. Go ahead. Think in your mind, search your heart, and find that reason to give praise to our God. You know, Matt Redman, when he was interviewed by Worship Leader Magazine, had this to say about the song. He says, the point of the song is this, that if you wake up one morning and you cannot think of a reason to bring God some kind of offering of thanks and praise, then you can be sure that there's something wrong on your end of the pipeline and not his. Ouch, right? He goes on, we live beneath an unceasing flow of goodness, kindness, greatness, and holiness, and every day we're given reason after reason why Jesus is so completely and utterly worthy of our highest and best devotion. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? See, I do. I really believe it, but I don't always live that way. But I want to, and I bet you do too. So in a moment, we're going to sing this song together. Let's sing it like never before as a response of worship. But before we do, I'm going to give you some homework this week, all right? Here you go. Over the next seven days, I want you to take a moment each day this week And give God your praise for one specific reason, okay? One a day each day for the next seven days. That's how many reasons in total? Seven. We got a bunch of whizzes in this room, I tell you. 1045, man, they better measure up to you guys, right? Yeah. Seven reasons over the next seven. You think you can do that? I do. I think we all can, you know? And I was thinking about this as I was preparing the message that it dawned on me that 10,000 reasons... To give praise to God, that's a lot of reasons, isn't it? That if you ventured out to give God praise 
every day of your life, one a day, it would take over 27 years. 27 years. But you know what? If everyone who's part of our services today committed to praise the Lord every day this week over the next seven days, we as a church would have well over 10,000 reasons. We would, trust me, do the math if you don't, right? 10,000 reasons, and the thought of that excites me. It does, because you know what? I want to be part of a grateful church, not a grumbling church. I want to be part of a thankful church. I want to be part of a praising church that we find our significance not in the size of our attendance, not in the bigness of our building, but that we would find our significance. We would find our contentment in God and God alone. To be this praise-filled church that doesn't ride the waves of our circumstances, but is anchored in the greatness and goodness of our God, that we are praising the Lord for what he's done in our lives, that we are praising the Lord for who he is, and we are praising the Lord for the promises of what he's still to do. That's why we sing together, bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship his holy name, sing like never before, O my soul, I'll worship your holy name. So let's be a 10,000 reasons kind of church, okay? Let's do that. Let's stand as we pray together, and then after that, we'll respond in worship. Let's pray. Lord, we do live under this shower, this flood of blessing and goodness and kindness and grace in our lives. We want to be aware of that, and we want to respond to that. We want to be people who don't ride the waves of our circumstances, but that the eyes of our heart are always looking upward to a God who is rich in love, to a God who is slow to anger, to a God who in all his goodness gives us reason to keep on singing. Lord, our prayer is especially for the discouraged here today, the, the downcast, the, the distress, the discontent, God, that you would lift up their hearts. You would lift up their voices. And that as we together sing, you would inhabit the praises of your people. Because God, we have 10,000 reasons to give you praise and so much more. So let us do that, even now, like never before, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
of God's people said? Amen. Amen. That right there is a sliver of heaven that's come down to earth. Next week, Pastor Ken is going to continue our series, More Than a Song, but as you go from here, may the Lord put a song of praise in your heart and thanksgiving on your lips for the 10,000 reasons and so much more that our God has blessed you. God bless you.